Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. We are back in Studio Breezy. Producer Jay is doing serious, serious video work with, uh, I think, like political candidates and debates and stuff. So he is not here to join us today, but I do have Smitty. Yeah. And Matthew. Hello, hello. How are we feeling, boys? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Actually, it's not. Actually, it's not. Actually, it's, it's not at all. It's an ugly Every day, day is a beautiful day when I'm with you, boys. Oh, that's cute. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. The, uh, the temperature swings Cheers. lately have been kind of a nightmare. When it, when it starts out, when your day starts out like 30 degrees and then it ends up at 65, not a fan yeah. of this. My yeah. nose has been a fucking faucet. Yeah. Mine too. I, I apologize in advance if I just like start coughing on, on <laughs> right into the microphone. Yeah, that's fair. Also, um, no, there are dogs, as always, at Studio Breezy in the vicinity walking around. Uh, Ella should be home at some point, which will cause the dogs to bark. So there were dogs in the last episode that we recorded. So just, you know, heads up. This is the real life. This is how things work. Today, boys, we are talking eights. So positional numbers, we went over some of those last time. That eight is a midfielder, and it is not a six, which if you have not listened to the previous episodes, please go back because a lot of what we say will build on those. We talked about central defenders. We talked about outside backs. We talked a lot about the four or five players that might play in a defensive line. And then we talked about the six, that deepest, most defensive midfielder. Today, we're talking about the eight. Matthew, let's jump straight into it. Oh, crazy eights. That's a good uh, description as well. <laughs> That's for your very bad joke, Matthew. Wow. Um, harsh, harsh. But also, you're not wrong. That might be the episode title. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matthew, do you want to start with box to box or shuttlers when describing an eight and talk a little bit about where that eight starts in the field? Uh, I'll take box to box because it's the easiest one to describe. Hey, at least you're honest. Go ahead. They play a lot of defense. Then they run a lot to play offense, and then they run back to play defense, and they just keep doing that just all the time. Not that differently from how we described wingbacks. Uh, so, like, let's... Should, should we go there? I'm going to go there anyway. Go there. God, it's early for that, but go ahead. No, Eights and outside backs are the same damn thing. They do the same things. They need the same skill sets. The only difference is brain and starting position. That's it. How dare you call outside backs dumb? No, 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 no. I'm How not saying, dare you? I'm not saying eights need to be smart or outside backs need to be smart. It's just like... Oh, you just called them all dumb? It's the, it's, it's the brain... <laughs> How dare you, Matthew. sir? It's You've the, got more hot takes than I do today. It's the brain power required of like when to go, when to stay, like what to do with the ball where. Like That's the only difference. They have the exact same skill set. With enough time, you can take an eight because, and at least from my personal opinion, I think eights have to be athletic. I think they have to be. They, they don't. They are not always athletic. My personal preference is that they're incredibly athletic. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, it depends on your. It depends on your style of play. But yes. typically, an eight is somebody that's got a good. It's got a, a good, guy, got a good engine. Incredible cardio. Yeah. Good engine can move around well. Um, and we'll talk about some different types of eights as well, and then some CFC players and some international players that have played those positions. Um, so. I want my eights to be able to, like, in a pinch, become an outside back, and I want my outside backs to be able to become an eight, if needed. So, yeah, and sure. and while I'm thinking about it, great example here, Marcus Smarzak, 2019. Oh, great example. Good shout. Dude, I miss Marcus so much. What a guy. So tell me, Matthew, why you think 
Marcus is the perfect, this is Marcus uh, Smarzak, not Marcus Nagelstad, who's definitely not an eight. Uh, Marcus Smarzak <laughs> was the perfect box-to-box uh, example for CFC. So Marcus could have been and could play the six for us, and, and he did it on occasion. But Marcus was the kind of guy. You know why he's so excited about this? Because he's about to talk about how he played right back. Keep going. <laughs> but Marcus was the guy, like he mainly was the second six which also mostly meant he was an eight. Uh, like he was the one, like if we, we had a six holding and staying and staying put, think of someone like Juan Sanchez that year or a Ginky Miachi that year. Marcus was the other one that would join the offense a little bit more. In a pinch, in a pinch, and it did happen on, on occasion, we needed an outside back because the biggest problem, the biggest problem I think we had, there were two problems we had in 2019. Number one, uh, Max Wilshere, uh great guy, love him a ton. Was but... not was not was not a target man. He was not like that kind of back to goal type player that you sometimes need when teams bunker against you and you have a ton of possession like we did. Yeah, that's true. That was one of the issues. The other issue was right back. Mm-hmm. We played Soren at right back, who's not a right back. We played Juan Sanchez at right back sometimes. Didn't we end up in the members cup playing like a weird three 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 one or something? Uh we play we still played the four three three and sometimes a four two two two, but it usually involved a back four. And it looked different because Soren would not go quite as far mm-hmm. up from right back. And Gabby Torres would be Lord knows where. On Making the left on the left happen. side. Yes. Yeah. But at times we had to move Marcus Smarzak to outside back. And he did the role incredibly well. And in hindsight, I think I would like to see I would like to have seen that more. Mm-hmm. But Marcus was the type of guy we, we played him so much in central midfield because we always could count on him to be a consummate professional, provide a seven out of ten performance every single game. And that type of characteristic is incredibly important, I think, in an eight. Also in outside backs. Also, soccer nerd moment for a second. Seven of ten in grading when you're talking about for like school is a C. Pop it. Oh yeah. Good job. It, when talking about soccer, seven of 10 is a very high grade. Seven of 10 is like a very, very good score. You don't see when you see most European soccer grades, for example, come out in European newspapers. So let's say La Gazzetta in Italy rates a, a game Nerd. with Italy or L'Equipe. Re- the Daily Mail. Calm down. Uh, or L'Equipe rates uh, a PSG performance. They don't give out many eights or nines. Very rare. It's seven's kind of the high end a lot of times. And you'll get the occasional seven and a half or eight. So I just want to point out for people who are wondering, going like seven of ten, man, just like C? No, no, no. Seven of ten is like the ideal. If everyone on your team played a seven, a game at, at a seven, yeah, <laughs> then you probably won that game. Yeah, so you- yeah, to, to piggyback there, like seven out of ten is... In my mind, I was thinking, good. Yes, oh, good I agree. I just wanted to point out for listeners who may not understand, like the scale of soccer 1 to 10 is different. No one ever gets a 1 or a 2, uh, except for Lakeep gave Messi a 3, which is just for clicks. <laughs> just for clicks. Because he has yeah, you got to be really bad to get He a one had or four two. passes into the box and seven shots. Get out of here. I didn't watch the game, but come on, with those stats, he can't have played a 3. Um, so what seven of ten really means is that player is consistently above average. Yes, yes. And, and, I, and I would say five, the, five and a half, or six is average. Five and a half, or is like slightly below average. And the in, thing, on my mind, the thing mind. about Marcus, where where I went there immediately, is because he was consistently 
above average. Always. Almost. And, and like always. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Matt, define it for us a little bit more. What is a box to box midfielder? Do? And, and remind us what the box is. So penalty box uh, where the goalkeepers are allowed to use their hands in almost all circumstances. Uh, I, I liken a box to box midfielder to, to a player that is, uh, he's not a 10. He's not an eight. Uh, at, or I'm sorry, not a 10, but not a six. And at times he's asked to do all of the things. Like sometimes you're a second six. Sometimes you're going to be a second 10, like a more creative midfielder. Uh, but you, but you have to, you're asked to do everything going both ways. Yeah. Whereas a six is asked to mostly defend, mostly defend. For and most your 10 sixes. is to mostly attack. Yeah. It's that one. And it, a lot of times I think of it as the, the player who does all the dirty work in the midfield. Mm-hmm. So let's transition. Smitty, talk to us a little bit more about, the shuttler or the mezzala, which is the Italian word for kind of like shuttler or the side of a diamond, actually. It's a half wing. Yeah. So this is a really interesting position. It's also a really fun position as well. And you'll see this type of role really commonly with the um, U.S. men's national team. So um, talk us through it. Yeah, the both of the midfielders um, that are a little bit farther forward, they're basically eights. You could say they're a little bit of a, a ten, but we're gonna we're gonna say they're eights for the sake of this argument. Um, they have a lot of free reign on where they go, but a lot of the times they're a little bit wider in the midfield. So if you cut the field in half long ways. They're going to be like halfway between the line that you cut and the touchline, which is the sideline. So what you're saying is instead of being closer to the middle of the field, like the mm -hmm. six in a four, three, three, which we've talked about the four, we've talked about the one in the middle. That's the six in a four, three, three, you're two eights. If you're talking about playing two eights in a four, three, three, they're slightly up from the six closer to the attacking band, but out wider fully on the right side, kind of like a right center back or a right back would be somewhere in there and then further on the left side. That's what you're describing, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so what I just described, that place on the field is called a half space. So if you ever hear us refer to a half space, it's it's the space halfway between the middle of the field and the sideline going long ways. So this role can be really important to your team because this person is going to be primarily um, key for your ball progression. So working the ball from your goal to the other person's goal, uh, the other team's goal, you're going to use your shuttler or metzala to advance the ball with a pass or a dribble. And they're, they're very active in the style of play. Go get them puppies. <laughs> Go get them. Matthew, the midfield maestro. So midfield maestro, I I liken this position different to a to a, a shuttler because a shuttler for me uses the dribble more, uh, more so than the pass. The midfield maestro for me is a pass first player. I think I think back to some of those Barcelona teams uh, with their tiki taka style, and it was it was very pass heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they had some incredible dribblers. We can talk about that later, but. It, it was predominantly, it was predominantly passing through lines and gaps, um, 
Sometimes, sometimes it was just swinging the ball wide if need be, but it was always finding the open space for a pass to move the ball. And uh, it's the type of player that, you know, is creative like a creative 10, mm-hmm. but with a little bit more... They're not quite as far up the field. They're not quite as, as far well. up the field, and they're, I, I, I think they have a little bit more uh, industrious qualities to them defensively yeah and if you ever watch uh real madrid play they have three very defined types of midfielders they have casemiro who is their six he's a destroyer we mentioned him in our six episode they have luka modric who is kind of that shuttler box-to-box midfielder and then they have tony cruz Kreuz, who is a midfield maestro like so he is he's passing the ball Everywhere. So similar to how we talked about the deep lying playmaker in the sixth episode, he plays a very similar role to that. He's just farther up the field. Yeah. Yeah. And he he sprays those passes long on the ground and in the air. He's an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. He doesn't move a ton. He doesn't need to move a ton. He and, gets the ball to his feet and there's going to be some type of gorgeous pass coming off of his foot. And Modric at times has played more of a ten for them, but he really has that some of those skills to fill in in any of the positions? Maybe not so much a true six because he's five foot six, and and <laughs> and like not like a beefy guy, not like Conte is, mm-hmm. but he is maybe one of the best midfielders of this generation because of his ability to do all of the things well and play that final pass and play that short pass yep. really, really, really effectively. He won a ball and door. He's an absolute monster. So breezy, tell us about a ball winning eight. So a ball-winning eight, you we talked about ball-winning sixes, right? We talked about destroyers. A ball-winning eight is not that different from that. So as time has gone on, more, we've players and the game have evolved. One thing we've seen is that teams press much more often now than they used to. Um, tw- define, define press for me. So when we talked about last, last um, episode or two episodes ago, I don't remember which one it was, uh, Matthew mentioned that he believes this year Rod is going to play a style where we go and try to get the ball back. So you can wait for the attacking team to come to you, wait for them to make a mistake, make, and then you make a play, you take the ball away, and you go. That's defending, and it's playing positionally, keeping your players in good positions to, to protect space, and playing very, like, minimizing risk, essentially. Pressing, on the other hand, is literally going and getting the ball back. So if I lose the ball, uh, let's say I'm the right back and I lose the ball at the halfway line, as the right back, I'm going to step immediately and try to attack and win the ball back, not run back towards my goal to protect things. I'm going to try to win the ball back immediately as quickly as possible as soon as I lose the eight in this case, is going to step forward. The six might step forward. The striker might come back. Everyone's going to try to collapse on the ball immediately and as quickly as possible. And if you watch uh, soccer, you may not have ever thought of it that way, but it's how quickly you try to win the ball back. And then do you take off in transition trying to go quickly to go to attack in a quick fashion quickly? So pressing with the advent of pressing, and, and obviously there have been many of all these kinds of midfielders throughout the generations. But I think you see a lot more uh, progressive shuttlers of the ball, essentially. And that's a thing I'm making up, but guys who, whose job is to win the ball back and then move the ball quickly forward as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. So, um, and I think what would be good is to do an episode about pressing. Absolutely. um, And then, you know, what makes a player press resistant, um, Mm -hmm. which is, which is a huge, a huge um, quality 
um, that you're that's looked for at the professional level these days. So before we move on, what would you say is the difference between a destroyer six and a ball winning eight? So imagine a player like Vidal, if you remember Arturo Vidal, or Pogba when he was younger, but really Arturo Vidal. Arturo Vidal could run the entire game straight from box to box, never giving up, always in the middle, always kicking people and getting kicked, and always winning the ball back and then getting the ball and then making a run. Constant, constant engine. But your job as the eight is a little more, and I don't mean sloppy in a negative way, but your job is to thrive in chaos. Right. And to step hard as you were very first, to step hard and forward and to the ball and try to win the ball as your first and not only prerogative, but your very first prerogative, whereas the six has to be much more careful Mm -hmm. because the six is shielding that back line, shielding those center backs. And if you're right back and left back, for example, are pressing, which we talked about defenders last game, if your six and center backs are sitting and your eights are pressing, that means it could be three, four, five players versus just your six and your center backs if everybody steps to press when they turn the ball over and they they get passed by. So that's why the six is so much different. They have to make different decisions and they have to sit in and be more disciplined. Whereas the eight needs to play a little bit more, in my opinion, on instinct and on just like lungs, right? You got to have all the lungs and then you got to go box to box. You don't want your six at the edge of your opponent's box trying to take a shot because that means if they get turned over, they're going to get bypassed in the play much more easily. Whereas your eight is often going to be at the edge of the opponent's box and at the edge of your box. It is box to box to box to box back and forth, just causing chaos. And if you watched Weston McKinney, who you mentioned earlier in, in the last few World Cup qualifiers for the U.S., you have seen him for better or for worse, mostly for better, in the right-hand corner of the field and in the left-hand <laughs> corner of the field and challenging the goalkeeper and then winning a header in his own box. I mean, literally everywhere, not even box-to-box, touchline-to-touchline, because his motor and his his athleticism and his ability to just read the game and decide where he needs to go next. And he's given the freedom to do that. You wouldn't want your six to do that because your six destroyer needs to stay disciplined in the middle, know when to step, and not leave the center backs exposed. It's a position yeah. for more of an aggressive risk taker. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah, because you, you're not the last line of defense. Well, you're not the last line before the last line of defense as yes. a six. And and as, as Matt pointed out, he likes athletic eights. Mm-hmm. And there is a... Like it, you want, if you're wanting to press, the safest thing you could do is have the most athletic eights possible. Because we, we talked about Ryan Marcano last game, right? If your players are athletic like Ryan Marcano, they can recover. You know, everybody. The, the inside joke on this podcast is everyone says Ryan Marcano was the fastest player on the team last year. If you have a guy with that sort of speed, he can go forward that with that speed and back with that kind of speed. And if you have a guy like, I don't know, Nick Spielman. Like Nick Spielman's a center back, right? He could he was an eight in college, but he doesn't have the he doesn't have the quickness that Ryan Marcano has. So if he gets stuck up the field, it's hard for him to get back. Hey, his nickname's Speed Racer for a reason. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. But that's why Nick Spielman could fit at the six. He could play a little bit at the eight, maybe technically, but he fits at the six, and really he fits best at the center back because he's big, he's strong, he has good feet, he makes good decisions. And you don't want you don't want him getting caught up the field. Whereas if Ryan Marcano, for example, got caught up the field, you believe that he could yeah. chase down a player from behind. So I've got a I've got a hot take. Um, so we normally talk about how many types of like how many of this type of position will you see on the field? Like there's one or two with the um, with the six. There's two or three with center backs. Um, I'm going to say that if you're playing an eight, there is always two, no more, no less. It's either 
two eights or it's no eights. Mm, disagree. I disagree. Tell me. So you can. There's two different ways to play a four three three. Um, that have you could have two eights, you could have two tens, or if you want to have eights, you can have an eight and a ten. So you have one player on one side whose job it is to go box to box, and sh- but shade towards being a little bit more six. Not all the time six. I'm talking like truly box to box. You have somebody. So imagine old school um, Juan Hernandez a very good passer. You want him on the ball, making those dangerous passes up top. And then imagine Marcus Marzok in the midfield with him. And then imagine you have Matt Aldred. I know these three never played together, but imagine you had those three CFC players. You'd want Aldred sitting. You'd I would want Marcus going box to box. And then I'd want Juan sometimes coming back all the way, but, but staying somewhere in the middle. And so I think oftentimes you do see two eights, but not all the time. Italian teams a lot of times will play with an eight and a ten, but and they play on one side of the field, the other side of the field, and the, and the formation is just a little bit unbalanced. One of those players shades farther forward, one of them shades farther back, but neither one is a true ten or a true six. It's like an eight ten and a six eight. Does that make sense? It does. It's still not super common though, because what what you need when you play like that, you need your ten typically to have a lot more defensive responsibility so they're not as much of a free roll as you would expect which that's where the 10 has gone a lot of the way in in more modern soccer and the advent of of pressing um you're, you know you don't have as many free luxury roles yes luxury meaning they they don't they're not required to play defense or they don't play defense so matt how many eights or how did eights play under coach fuller over the last two years they were mostly non-existent to be honest. Tell me more. Uh, so, Fools would do... A, if we were playing with a back three, Fools would often have two sixes in central midfield with a ten. Sometimes it was a six and two tens. Um, it was it was rare. It was rare that we used... It was rare that we used an eight. I can think of... I can think of maybe one or two games in 2021... Where we played a straight up four three three with a six and eight mm-hmm. and a ten. Usually it was Tate Robertson playing the eight mm-hmm. in that in that scenario. Um, I think what's interesting is when we went to the offset at the end of the season with two strikers, one winger, uh, which is why we call it an offset. If you want to hear more about that offset, you can go listen to uh, our podcast talking about how we think Rod is going to play and how we think Fuller played at the end of the season. And uh, we would have a six. We have a back four. And where the offset matters is wherever the position the winger is playing. At the end of the season, it was Damian Rodriguez on the right wing. Uh, the eight was kind of carved out on the left-hand side. And uh, it wasn't... It, we, I mean, we didn't play it, but only six, seven games or so. Uh, but that's really the only times eights were ever involved. Uh, and, there, and there's some... I mean, there are reasons why that for the reason why for that, you know, uh, some coaches think that eights are more important than others. Uh, I mean, I'm in the camp that eights are just outside backs playing a little <laughs> bit further inside, but I still want the same athleticism. I still want the same technical abilities, uh, which is why I think they can play my versions of eights and outside backs can play the same position because they, they just do the same things just in different parts of the field. Um, I would expect since we're, since we asked the question about, Coach Fuller the past couple of years, I would expect eights to be used widely differently uh, under Coach Underwood. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this in previous episodes with a six and two eights. 
Um, sometimes, sometimes going wide, sometimes being narrow or, or in the center of the, of the field. Um, I think we can actually talk a little bit more about how we think eights will play under uh, Coach Rod because we've talked about outside back, so we're not getting ahead of ourselves. It's harder to talk about eight versus ten because we haven't done the tens episode yet. And when I think in the when we talk about tens, we can come back a little bit and, and put the put them back between each other. But as you talk about how you think those eights and fullbacks are going to interchange, and let's try to make it really simple so we don't get too too nerdy and in the weeds here because it's hard to explain in the audio podcast how you think people are going to paint a picture on the field, but also maybe juxtapose some players that played in CFC's past that you think might've played a little Ooh, bit like fun. how, how you expect Ross team or different or whatever else. So let's do some players first. Um, re- think back to 2014. It's now McCabe on the left-hand side of the diamond quintessential eight for that team. Uh, Leo to Smith. Praise God. 2015, same position as now occupied the left side of that. The left side of that diamond. Who was on the right side of the diamond both those years? Or why should they one of those years in 14, not 15? I mean, it, it was Zeka. It was also John Carrier. Strikers, well, yeah, Striker Zeka in, uh, in, in 2014 and 2015. Uh, Carrier occupied it sometimes in, in, in 14. Uh, you had, you had Kieran Bywater occupying, occupying the left hand sometimes in, uh, in 2016, although in a very, very different way. If you think about like, uh, Niall McCabe was pretty box to box those years. Leo was a bit box to box, but he but, shaded but further of, forward. But more yeah. of a yeah, definitely, definitely shaded way, way further forward. Bywater was more of that. I'd go, I'd go so far as to say more of like that maestro type player. Like he sometimes, he sometimes would end up on on the touchline wide, but usually was cutting back to his right foot to be able to spray or, or have a have an in swinging cross. Yeah, and uh, when you think about John Carrier, he was completely different. He was way more of that shuttler. Yes. He was he was basically like a wide forward, a winger, mm-hmm. playing playing as that wide, a wideish eight. Yeah, uh, short passes, wall balls, lots of dribbling, slicing through three or four players, and then making a pass. Mm-hmm. He was rarely hitting a ball thirty five yards in the air. Carrier wasn't. Whereas yeah. Kieran Bywater might hit a five yard pass and might hit a twenty yard pass, but Kieran, while he wasn't unathletic did not have the top speed that a John Carrier could do. So he couldn't play a wall ball and burst past four guys as easily. Yeah. So how do you how do you think so you think we'll use eights? This I think year? I think we'll use eights. I think we'll use two of them. Okay. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if the two eights that we use play different styles of the eight. And um I'll use an example for this. Um if we we talked about in in the projections with some of the signings, a guy like Alex McGrath playing the eight for us, uh, who played that previously for Rod at Stumptown. McGrath for me is a shuttler. Mm-hmm. You watch if you watch his highlights, if you watch his game. Yes, he can. Yes, he goes box to box. Yes, he can score. Yes, he can assist. But the 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 key thing that I see is that he's able to pick the ball up and then drive it forward. Yeah. And he can do it with a pass too. Every, everyone on this team is going to have to be able to pass the ball. But his his defining character is what he's better at than some other people is picking the ball up and beating a player off the dribble and 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 driving the ball 10 20 yards forward and then passing it off for the next round, the next the next phase of the attack. Yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, and I I so much so I I thought that he was a winger. Whenever I saw Stumptown first play in in the spring tournament, 
He's then, very he's very athletic. And yeah. yeah, and that's and that's because at times he was playing on on the touchline. At times he was playing like fully fully wide. He was playing fully central. Like he just goes he goes where the action is. And and so talking about what you said earlier with uh eights are outside backs. If you if you are playing as a team that is very attacking, so we think our outside backs are going to attack a lot. If and you you put out the idea in the Defenders episode that you think we'll play with very athletic outside backs that can really get up the field and get back. If we do that, your eights on defense are going to have to be able to drift out wide and then push into those back into those spaces if they're defending that the right back and left back may have vacated by going forward. So if you think about your right back and left back have pushed up the field, maybe they're attacking and then there's a turnover. Your eights may go from the middle of the field and in front of the sixes to dropping into that space, potentially exactly where the right back or left back was to cover that space, especially defensively. And I think classic eights, if your right and left back aren't going forward, you're they're playing more centrally. Yeah. Whereas your eights, what you're talking about, wide eights, if if Rod chooses to play with players like Alex McGrath, who's very, very um, athletic, it, to a little bit lesser extent, Collins Tripling, though he's not unathletic, those are guys that can cover a lot of ground and that could drift out wide in that left back and right back spaces and allow you to push your fullbacks or your outside backs as far forward as you want and have less risk because they can drop in when they're coming back. They can drop back into that midfield space and everybody can shuffle around and play a little bit of total football, meaning that everybody interchanges positionally and can play a little bit everywhere. And those and those eights are in a better position to occupy that space that the fullback is vacated, unlike the six. Who, who needs to stay and protect the... Who needs to stay and protect the, the center backs pr- predominantly. I can't wait until the spring. Like, it hurts, <laughs> Smitty. So, how do you see, or, or do you, do you did that make sense? Like, yeah, absolutely. I th- it, it, we talked about this a couple of episodes, but there's just gonna be a lot of tactical flexibility. Like, if you listen to this podcast and then you go watch CFC play right after, it may be difficult to pick who's playing in what position because I would expect for them to interchange a lot more. Yeah. Uh, You know, Alex McGrath could maybe take the place that the winger is, and then the winger comes in and takes the place where Alex McGrath is because what they're trying to do is they're trying to confuse the defense because typically you'll have defending assignments. This guy has this man or this guy has this guy in this zone, and if there's two guys in the zone, who do they take? So you can, you know, you you can cause some confusion that could lead to a goal. I'll also I'll also uh, remind that one of the things we've talked about is that when the ball is on the far side of the f- the far corner of the field in our attacking third uh, on the on the the, the sideline, we expect that the alternate outside back is going to pinch into the middle of the field, and uh, when that happens, I've been I've been calling it an auxiliary six fancy it's probably it's probably more of an eight uh that type of position just because of the the ability to go to the sideline to be in the, in the middle of the field um because that six if the ball's on, on, on the far corner of the field let's say it's on the left wing or something that six is going to be slightly moved to provide support in case the, the possession needs to be recycled so your outside back your right back in that scenario is going to come in and be kind of an auxiliary six on the right hand side to be able to provide mm-hmm. extra numbers and, and and granted it leaves a ton of space, but you're also 
you're you're basically saying, okay, defense, if you happen to win the ball, can your guy make a sixty yard pass into space and cut us out? Yeah, and there are not many people uh, at this level that can. It's going to be really funny in the spring um, whenever um, we we roll out in a in a very regressive four four two. You know, we talked about Andre. We're, we're just sitting back and kicking the shit out of guys. Hey, whatever gets wins, baby. Just get, just win, just win. I do think uh, we talked about Andrea Pirlo and and what you're describing, basically with shifting. You, know, you can't cover the entire field with, with ten outfield players. Like it just doesn't work that way. So formations are just starting points, unless everyone is Weston McKinney, yes, or Ryan Marcano. Um, but so you're thinking about being back in that corner. And, and shift the whole field shifts over a little bit, getting a little more advanced in the concepts here. Like the whole field shifts over a little bit with your your six going a little bit further towards the left side of the field and making sure to block it off and you're right back tucking in. The same thing happens on the other side. As things shift over, the whole thing shifts over. So if you're playing a system where players are expected, and you see this with Manchester City a lot, all players are expected to be able to play with the ball. Your outside backs, as you pointed out, have to be able to step into midfield and cover for the eights a little bit, or the sixes, depending, and vice versa. They have to be able to drop wide and and all interchange. Otherwise, you have to play a much more rigid system. You don't have as many choices for keeping the ball. We know that Rod wants to keep the ball. One of the ways he built really good defenses the last two seasons in the spring and the fall was keeping the ball and limiting chances by not giving the ball to the other team. Um and that's going to be really interesting to see how he manages to put players in positions where they can keep the ball and still be dangerous going forward. Because if you keep the ball, um, as a certain coach was want to say on this podcast and off, possession without penetration is masturbation. So you have that's a pretty crude way of saying it, but that's the nice. That is the uh, <laughs> the reality of it. You, you if you just keep the ball and you don't create chances, you have to score. And I know we're not talking about attackers yet, but just throwing uh, that out there. We've talked about all the, the four types of eights that we put in there. Um, one player uh, we didn't talk about the, a famous world soccer eights uh, that's currently maybe doing it at the highest level in the world is Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about Kevin De Bruyne is he plays some sort of hybrid eight ten, right? Where he is box to box, maybe doing probably doing a little less defending because Guardiola's team's tend to win the ball back tend, and press. Tend to never to never have to play defense. But he's a player that is literally like all over the field dictating the game. He can pass short, he can pass long, he can dribble forward, he can shoot, he can do it all. And I I just hope that we get some CFC version of that this year. <laughs> I mean, amen. As my wishful, <laughs> as my wishful thinking here. Um, so we talked about wide versus tucked in, right? We believe the eights could play tucked in, but we think that instead of playing tucked in, they will likely play out wide. Uh, we're, and that's what I'm hoping for, at least, because I think it's more interesting if they play out wide, meaning that our our fullbacks are pushed higher and we're attacking more. Um, defensive responsibilities, we kind of talked about those. Uh, differences from the six, we've talked about that. Um, and eights versus tens in a four three three. I think we should leave that for the tens episode. Yeah. Does that make sense for you guys? Yeah, yeah I'm good with that. Is there anything we've missed before we jump off here? I think this was very comprehensive. I think some people are scratching their heads on why we think so much about the eight. And you know what? I'm not sorry. It's because we're crazy eights. It's a weird position. Like, there's there's no simple way of saying what an eight is, really. So, scaling it back a little bit. 
a very common phrase that you'll hear in soccer is the is the fight for the midfield, the battle for the midfield. And in a more classical game or style of soccer, it was it is a literally a fight. So you've got two eights, that's your midfield. So you've got you've got four defenders, two wide players, two attackers. So it's literally a fight in the midfield. You've got two eights. They're just box-to-box guys. If somebody comes in, tries to dribble it, they're going to beat the shit out of them. The old, the old Gerard and Lampard days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so now modern soccer has progressed. So you can take advantage of different kinds of space, and maybe it's pressing like we were talking about a little bit earlier to win the ball a little bit higher up the field, closer to your goal. But classically, that's what that eight is. They're a you know, they're that ball winner style of player, and the you know the game has continuously progressed since then. Yeah, and the evolution of the eight continues to be one of the. I think as a, as a soccer nerd, I think it's one of the most interesting pieces in the game currently. How the eight is played, where they play, the fact they might that outside backs and eights might be the same. Um, Not might that is. should that should be an episode because I think we can go super, <laughs> super nerdy deep. super nerdy into that. That's not a, that's not a how to be a soccer nerd. That's a we are soccer nerds. <laughs> that's oh a, my god, that, that's a graduation day episode. <laughs> so, graduation day. Oh my god, I love you boys. I'm so uh, glad we got to record. I'm, again. I'm so glad we're podcasting today. Seriously, this is such a good afternoon activity. Like I I with we've been looking forward to this all day and it has not disappointed. I hope listeners it did not disappoint for you guys. Uh, if we missed anything, y'all send us a message. Uh Matthew, if the people want to send you a message uh, of congratulations on being a soccer nerd or uh asking you questions or yelling at you. They should congratulate me cuz I'm May and just leave it at that. Because you were just in the paper for being a lobbyist. Uh slash on the news. I was not in the paper <laughs> for the record. I I might have I might have made a uh, a, a news story the other night in Nashville. Good job. <laughs> Where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at I am Caniglio on Instagram, and you can find me at Whiskey is Fine on Twitter, except don't tell the news media that. Smitty, if they want to find you on the internet and uh, perhaps thank you for doing the hard legwork for most of this episode preparation, where could they do that? Or yell at me for doing so much hard legwork. Leg <laughs> hey, gl- we talk too much information. It's fun. It's fun. So you can find me on Instagram at a Smitty knows. Cool. You can find the podcast at the Section 109 Pod on Twitter and Instagram, where uh, Professor J. Wow, Producer J. Call him Professor J too. I, top. I like that. Yeah. Let's let's do that. The professor. Where he can he mans those, and you can find me on the internet. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace. Peace.